International rugby coverage on the Country Sport Breakfast is proudly brought to you by Access Solutions, elevating you and your business to a higher level. On a Thursday morning, as he always does, joining us on the show, Gregor Paul, New Zealand Herald columnist. Morning, Gregor. Morning. Very interesting article I read uh, yesterday in the Herald about uh, Super Rugby and how, well, one particular Australian side you feel must be chopped to save Super Rugby. Yeah, chop them. Get rid of them, Aussies. Cluttering <laughs> up that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to leave a couple, though. We need a couple so we've got oh, some we... <laughs> reasonable opposition. Yeah, look, uh, the, the point I was trying to make is that he, here we are again, just the context here is that New Zealand and Australia are trying to work their way through an agreement, a long-term agreement, that is, to um, you know, to keep Super Rugby Pacific together after the Aussies said they're only going to commit until next year. And look, I think they're working their way through it, and the problem here, as always, is money and the allocation of. Um, and I went back in time and said, well, actually, two years ago, New Zealand said, yeah, you know, the only way this tournament can be can work is if Australia don't have five teams in it, and it caused a lot of ruction at the time. It wasn't uh, wasn't beautifully put together the way they did that, and the timing was all wrong. But the basic premise of what they were saying is that you know Super Rugby's problems have occurred really from the moment Australia expanded to have five teams. They don't have the money, they don't have the players, and and yep, we can um, split the money that's available now give Australia five teams, but how long before that whole system melts down again? Because it just simply isn't sustainable to do it. So my point is, if they want to restruct, if they want to get this right, now might be the time to tell the Aussies, okay, you only get four teams. And I think the obvious team to push out would be um, the Melbourne Rebels. It seems remarkable when you think about it, though, that you know, you've got a country the size of Australia with however many million people there compared to New Zealand that's only got around four or five million, that uh, you know, they've got that many teams, but they still struggle. Well, yeah, but they've got a far more competitive uh, football cold yeah. environment, if I could put it that way. You've got to remember, rugby's not in Australia what it is here. And you know, they've got the AFL, which is a freakishly popular Amazingly large competition, given that it's a slightly old game played really just in, in, in one state, <laughs> never mind one country. But it's huge, and it sucks up a huge number of athletes. I mean, NRL would be next, uh, clearly, and it's just about as big. So there's the sort of next tranche of athletes. And, and football, or soccer as you guys call it, is another big code over there. So, you know, rugby's number four, so it's picking out of... Uh, yeah, there's a much bigger talent pool over there, but it's, it's getting sort of last pick of the athletes. And, and that's, that's the problem. And as you mentioned, it's come down to money, whereas we, uh, we New Zealand Rugby, got, got $100 million plus the, the, the deal to sign with Sky, whereas they're only talking about 20-odd million or something in Australia, aren't they? Yeah, look, they are. They've got, they've got two issues here. They've got a short-term problem. that They're going to play Super Rugby Pacific next year, and they need a short-term solution to balance that iniquity. Um, and I think last year New Zealand Rugby gave Australia $5 million and said, well, here you go, here's five of our money to help you. I think they'll probably do something similar again uh, for next year. So, well, here's another handout to help you. But the longer-term arrangement needs to be a, a revenue-split agreement. And secondly, they need to get the agreement right, and then Australia needs to go away and say, right, we need to go and get ourselves a better broadcast deal. Because if they had $100 million dollars, a year the way New Zealand does, this wouldn't be a problem because they'd both be taking the same amount to the table and no one would feel that they're having their pocket picked um, the way that New Zealand do a wee bit at the moment.
You're saying chopping the Melbourne Rebels. Are they the weakest link, you could say, in their lineup? Well, look, probably. I mean, they have, they've had two expansion teams from you know, where we were in 96. They, uh, they chopped the force back in 2017, if you remember, and that caused a huge amount of upset. But uh, the Western Force appear to have a, a kind of stronger rugby base. There's a lot of expat Kiwis over there, a lot of South Africans over there. They've got Twiggy Forrest, the billionaire, who we don't know if he has put money in or not, but seems like he's willing to put some money in there to to found, you know, to keep that team going. So the, the weakest link really comes back to the Rebels, who, you know, since they've been in there, I don't think Melbourne's fallen in love with them. They've got a huge volume of teams in Melbourne that they can follow in different codes. Um, they're, you know, I don't think they've ever made the playoffs. They're probably wrong, but if they have, it's only once. And look, they haven't added an awful lot to the competition. They were put in there for commercial reasons because they obviously thought there'd be a lot of advertising dollars and sponsorship dollars kicking around there. Maybe there is, I'm not sure, but they haven't brought anything to my life. I don't sit up at night thinking, oh, can't wait to watch the Melbourne Rebels play tomorrow morning. Yeah, you're right. And I guess if you chop them, you've got 30 or 40 players then that can, uh, well, maybe look further afield to play for other Super Rugby franchises in Australia. Yeah, that's probably the key to the whole thing. Is They've spread themselves too thinly by having that fifth team because there's another 35 contracts that you've got to find. Yeah. And the second problem is it puts exponential wage inflation on the whole thing because... Uh, all you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you've got 15 halfbacks that you need to find a contract for. So the guy who's sort of rated number one or number two, well, he can start commanding a higher price because everybody wants a guy who's one or two, not 14 or 15 on the pecking order. So if you look at Australia, what's happened since they got five teams, a lot of their players move around internally because they're being enticed by payments to go and leave one club to go and join the other. So they've got this internal wage inflation, which has put the cost structure higher and higher and higher. So again, go down to four teams, you've got fewer contracts to fulfil, and you probably take some of that wage inflation out as well. Makes good sense. Very good read, Gregor. Nice to chat. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, mate. Gregor Paul joining us here out of uh, the New Zealand Herald. Comment piece in the Herald yesterday. You can read that one online.